Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the new season of the Pucktown Podcast presented by K9 Control Training. Voice of the Stingrays, Cody Lefkowitz, here with you, and I'll be with you all season long as we enjoy the ride that is Stingrays hockey together. Not a ton of hockey here at the beginning of the year, with the Stingrays only playing one game last weekend and one this upcoming weekend. But it does pick up with three games in five days beginning next Wednesday, November 3rd, for the Rays' next home game. The Stingrays opened up the season last Saturday with a big win over the rival Greenville Swamp Rabbits by a final score of 4-2. Hunter Shepard showed up and showed out in the victory, matching his career high with 40 saves from March 5th of this past season. Captain Andrew Chernichin scored his 126th goal of his Rays career to open the scoring on a shorthanded goal. Jake Massey added one of his own against his former team of the past two seasons, and Lawton Cortnall joined exclusive company, becoming only the fifth Stingray to score two goals in his South Carolina debut. Cortnall joins Rob Ritchie, Steve Whitney, Stefan Lego, and Andrew Chernichin on that short list of Rays to accomplish this feat. This week, I was able to chat with former voice of the Stingrays, Jared Schaffron, who is currently with the Ontario Reign in the AHL. Jared has had a front row seat the past five seasons to the Stingrays, but now he's out in California calling games for the Reign. At this point in the season, Jared has been behind the mic for five Reign games and is busting his tail out of the booth as well, managing Ontario's social media and starting up his own podcast as well. Now, our job as broadcasters is to make sure all the fans know as much as they can about the players on the ice, but we never really stop to let you know about ourselves. I was able to do just that this week in my conversation with Jared. We dove deeper into how he got here to Charleston, how he got into hockey as a whole, and his fondest memories of his time with the Rays. Let's get to that interview right after a quick word from our sponsor, K9 Control Training. Canine Control Training, proud partner of the South Carolina Stingrays. Canine Control Training trains dogs of all breeds and sizes. Canine Control offers programs for dogs in need of obedience as well as dogs that need rehab due to severe anxiety or aggression. Canine Control's philosophy is that you should only have to pay for dog training once. Visit CanineControlTraining.com to book a free consultation today. Canine Control Training made my best friend Goose better. Joining me this week, former voice of the Stingrays, Jared Schaffron. Jared, how are things? You know, you you moved on a little bit from us. New role. How are things out there in California? Everything's great. Uh, most importantly, team's uh, off to a really good start. So everybody's in a good mood, and uh, it's always fun to be around a winning team. But uh, for myself personally, everything's going really well. A uh, lot different with everything uh, in this role, but really exciting and, um, you know, missing you guys too. <laughs> and I, I'm sure the low country is missing you down here as well. It's, it's all I've heard, you know, you got some big shoes to fill. So I, I take that as a compliment to you and, and hopefully down the road, people are going to be saying that about me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I was being told that when I started too. So, uh, you know, we've had a lot of great people that have filled that role. I uh, got a lot of help from the people that came before me and uh, you know, it's, it's a great place to be phenomenal organization. And, you know, like I said, I, 
it was a, a great time being in South Carolina and, and uh, definitely going to be tracking from afar this year. And I, I think that's sort of, you know, we, everybody looks at the players obviously, and they should, and, you know, you see those guys progress and you see them get up to the NHL like Vanacek and, you know, but it happens on the front office side as well. I mean, Jordan was a, a ticket sales rep here for years. He's up in Hershey. Um, you know, Joey Z just got his first game with the Blackhawks. Fishy has has spent some time in, in Hershey and gotten some with Washington. And now you get to progress as well. And now you're in Ontario, you're in the AHL, you, you know, you have that path that's right in front of you. And it's, it's a great organization. I think that that sort of gets overlooked on the front office side. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's also obviously the fans know really well the, the coaching and the, the hockey operations staff. I mean, the track record that the Stingrays have had just in my five years there of how many press releases I wrote, not necessarily about hockey, but, you know, Coach Carberry is now in the NHL. And, you know, obviously Steve Bergen was with the Stingrays for three of my years. He's now with Hershey. Uh, he's gotten the move up. And, you know, our equipment manager for four of my five years is Cameron Parker. He's with the Washington Capitals. So there's so many people that that have been able to, to fast track their careers because of the hard work they did in South Carolina. And like you said, it's it's not just players. And I'm more than I, I'm so proud to, to represent that. I uh, feel like, you know, it's it's just a lot of hard work. And the people who have wanted to move up have gotten a chance to, um, and it's, it's because they're working really hard and they want it. And I, I think something else that sort of gets overlooked, you know, as broadcasters, we do so much research on these players and we're able to tell you their family, their hometown, their favorite, I mean, everything about them. But I think that people, you know, maybe throughout their time, didn't know so much about you and, and your progress and how you even got to South Carolina. So I think, uh, if you want to take some time and sort of tell us, you know, your your career path, obviously coming out of college, going, working in various leagues, um, I, th I think people would love to hear a little more about it. Sure. Um, you know, started in college uh, at Northeastern University and probably people heard me mention that from time to time while I was uh, while I was down there on the air. And of course, uh, Andrew Miller was always calling me out when I was talking about Boston. But uh Went to Northeastern, uh, had a phenomenal career there as, as a student and a broadcaster for many different sports there and got an opportunity to do hockey for the first time. And, uh, you know, our team was pretty good the first couple of years that I was in school. There was a lot of excitement around that team. So I kind of just kind of gravitated toward that and um, got to do some great internships while I was at school, which really set me up for the opportunity to, to start my career once I graduated. And uh, I did a very short stint in, uh, in summer collegiate baseball, which wasn't really, I mean, it was great because I called a lot of baseball games in a short amount of time, but ends up being interesting that it was actually in, in Palm Springs in California. So as the, the before, I didn't, didn't know it obviously back then, but uh, that was the first time that I'd actually been in California for a bit of an extended period. I was, in, in Palm Springs for about four or five months and did a ton of baseball games. It was a great experience, but decided I wanted to try to get back into hockey after baseball season was over. So um, was, and I always credit this as like the, the team that gave me my first shot was the, uh, the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. And obviously you're familiar with the USHL as well, having just come from there and Zach Fish 
who everybody knows as well, former Stingrays uh, voice, was also in the USHL when I was there. Phenomenal league for pro- for prospects, for young young 16 to 20-year-old players to play juniors and continue their college eligibility. We had so many great players move on from that USHL ranks to college and then eventually pro. And some of them even played for the Stingrays. Um, that was some of the coolest things was – seeing some of the guys that I knew from, from their time in the USHL, a good example was Christian Horn played for the Stingrays uh, my third season, second or third season. And um, we, I had known him from, from when he was in Tri-City with me in the USHL. So uh, got an opportunity in the USHL and it was the, it was the coolest. Uh, some team took a chance on me to be their voice. And I, I was there for three seasons and I loved every minute of it. Um, decided to uh, to make a change after three years and, and jumped it back into college and was the voice of, of uh, Ferris State University Division One hockey for one season until I got the opportunity to go to South Carolina. Uh, Zach called and said he was moving up to Hershey, which I was ecstatic for him to get that opportunity. And uh, I think I love my time in the USHL and you know I wanted to, to explore different things, which is why I went to Ferris State and I, I loved it there. But when the opportunity came to, to join pro hockey and uh, go back to doing kind of a similar thing to what I was doing in the USHL, I, I jumped at that opportunity. Uh, I'd never been to Charleston in my life, so I didn't know anything about it, but I just heard, heard obviously great things. The team had had great success. They were coming off of, you know, two years of deep playoff runs in 15, they were in the Kelly cup final and, in 16 with, with Zach, they, you know, obviously had a great series with Wheeling, made it to the Eastern Conference final. And uh, it was a, an opportunity I wasn't going to pass up. So that's kind of the, the brief story of how I ended up uh, in Charleston. And it was, a, it was a pleasure being there and a thrill to, to have that opportunity. And then, I mean, during your time here, you last year more so than anything. I mean, you guys made that, that deep, deep run. You were you know, sort of expecting a couple of years ago before the cancellation, but you got the chance to call in the Kelly cup finals. I mean, how, how different is that than just calling a regular season game? It's different. Uh, you know, I think that my year last year, I was fortunate that my first year, we also made the Kelly cup finals. So I was an experienced voice of the Kelly cup finals already last year. It was and, and last year was such a different series because it was a shorter series. It was only a five, you know, best out of five series. And I think that it made it really a lot more urgent. Um, but, it, I mean, to be honest, it felt to when we got to the Kelly Cup finals, it almost didn't feel real because the season was so weird. We didn't have a great season overall. We were fighting and clawing to even make the playoffs. It was incredible that we even made the playoffs. I'm not a big math person. So I, and I, people have heard me say that on the broadcast. So like, I can't tell you, we only had X amount of percent chance of making it, but I, I know. And, and actually to even go back further, the last couple of weeks of the regular season, the amount of math. And I said, I'm not good at math. The amount of math I had to do to try to calculate what the odds and what the chances, what did we have to do? I mean, it was a daily thing and you can talk to some people in the front office Every morning after games were played the night before, I would come in and say, all right, like we need 12 points in our last 
eight games or however many points we needed to even have a shot to make it. And it was with about 11 games to go. We had to win like eight or nine. And that was at the minimum. Then we also needed help from other teams to lose for us to even get in. And again, I don't know the percentages because I never like, that's impossible to figure out like what the percent chance of making it, but it had to be less than 10%. It had to be maybe even less than 5% chance because when you looked at what that team had achieved so far during that season, it was a lot of losses. It was never a winning streak of more than two to three games. So to think that they could win eight of their last nine to make it was kind of unfathomable. I was basically thinking, you know, I knew there was a chance because I believed in the team, but it was just so many things had to fall into place. And then for that to happen was just so improbable. So I was like, wow, we made it like, this is cool. Um, You know, to extend a long playoff run of, of just season by season, the team had made it every, every year. There's only one year they haven't made it in the team's history. So just to make it, I was like, this is a great achievement by this team. And it was a little different because there wasn't as many teams in the league. There wasn't as many teams in the division. It was, it was different, but then you add in playing the playoffs at the Carolina ice palace. And that made like, so once we got to the Kelly cup finals, it didn't feel real because it was like, how is this team still playing in the first place? And the short series made everything go so quick. Like we went from being, a a very much an afterthought to even make the playoffs. And then about two and a half weeks later, we were in the Kelly cup finals. Like what? That just, it was a blur. Uh, Not to mention again, you know, the, there was, and you've seen it, the run up to a season, there's so much preparation. There's so much planning. There's so many different things you have to think about. And we went from playing a game on a Saturday against Jacksonville to end the regular season. We had clinched the night before on Friday when Orlando lost to Jacksonville. So we knew on a Friday that we were in and we played on a Saturday at home in front of a great crowd at the Coliseum. And on Sunday, I had to go to the Carolina ice palace, take all the equipment, take everything from the, from the Coliseum to move it to the ice palace and set up and have everything ready to go for a Monday playoff game at the Carolina ice palace. There was no time for preparation. There was no time for thought process. It was, but it was playoffs. So by the time, again, by the time we got to the finals, it didn't feel like the finals because we were playing at the Carolina ice palace. It felt like a, it felt like a preseason game, but not really because we had a packed house and people are going crazy and guys are wearing Kelly cup finals patches and people from the league are trying to come in and people are asking for credentials. I'm like, I don't have any room to put, to put people that we don't have any room. We didn't have room for our fans. I couldn't start credentialing. So it was kind of like an invite only event at the Kelly cup final. <laughs> it was just, there was, it's just one of those things where I know in 10 years, I'm going to look back on it and be like, I cannot believe that happened. And uh, you know, playing in, in Fort Wayne, the two games that we had in Fort Wayne, that felt a little bit different because they had a full building and it was chaos and their fans were amazing. And, that felt more like the Kelly cup finals, but um, it just, yeah, the last season was just, we'll never have anything like that again. And, and I think it was cool that we have some great memories from it, but um, it's nice to, to kind of have some, some of those restrictions ease now as well. So you mentioned you got your first chance to call hockey in college. Has 
has hockey always been the one that for you, you were like, I, I want to go full force into hockey or, you know, you did some baseball. Was it, was it baseball from the start? I mean, what was, what was sort of that decision-making for you? I don't know that I ever made that decision. It was kind of made for me a little bit. Um, I don't think I ever said I wanted to do one specific sport, but I think that, you know, like I said, when I was at school, I started doing hockey. We were pretty good. That led to some internship opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I think the thing that I did when I was in college that really ended up being a, a driving force in, in me understanding and, and being able to go into hockey is that I did an internship my junior year with a company called College Hockey Inc., which is a marketing firm for NCAA hockey. And, you know, everything that I had done in school up to that point was like, I want to be a broadcaster. Wasn't, I want to be a hockey broadcaster. It was just, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be a journalist. I want to be in sports media. I said, people asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I want to be in sports media. Um, and then it came time to do an internship my junior year. And I was applying to a lot of, you know, TV stations, radio stations, media companies. And this job with College Hockey Inc. was available. And I, I said, well, this is a hockey job. It's not really a broadcasting job, but it's a, a job in hockey. And man, that'd be cool. You know, like I love hockey. I, I grew up watching the sport and I knew a good amount about it. But uh, and I called games at that point already, too. But, um, you know, had had an opportunity to interview for the position. And then it came down to and I don't, you know, thinking back at this, it was probably not a decision I ever thought I would make, but it came down to a job with the Boston Globe as an intern or an intern job at, at College Hockey Inc. And I chose College Hockey Inc. And people were like, what? Like the Boston Globe is such a respected organization. And I, you know, had, had done some freelancing for the Globe. I'd, I'd done a little bit for them as well. And, I, you know, it wasn't that I didn't, want to work for the Boston Globe or that I didn't want to write stories and, and be a journalist, but I just, something about working in hockey was cool. And that was just working in marketing. Uh, and they, they would allow me to, to continue to call games for Northeastern while I was doing that internship, which is, which was a part of it. But I learned so much about just the sport of hockey and specifically about junior hockey, because I didn't know anything about junior hockey, but we were, working with a lot of junior leagues and young hockey players that were 14, 15 years old that were going to try to decide whether to play major junior and go to Canada or to play tier two junior NHL, USHL to keep their eligibility open to go to college. And we worked with some college coaches to speak to these players and tell them the benefits of keeping their eligibility open so that they could go and get an education, play college hockey and, um, educated them about some of the great venues and great college towns across, across college hockey. So I just became super into everything, college hockey, everything juniors, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that led me to once I finished school and a job with a USHL team came open, I was like, this is amazing. Like I love my time at college hockey because it was just all hockey all the time. Um, and, and it was so fun. And I, so that kind of led me to, choose hockey as, as the sport that I was going to maybe go after. And I think the other thing was, you know, being in Boston, people know hockey, but from a broadcasting sense, you know, a lot of people that I was in school with or, or people that were around my age were 
trying to get into, into the business and everybody wanted to do football, baseball, basketball. And I was kind of like, man, this is a crowded area. You know, it's going to be hard to break into that field. And I was like, I think I'm pretty decent at hockey and not as many people are like, you know, maybe there's, if there's an open basketball job, 200 people, 300 people are applying for it. I'm like, well, with hockey, there's still a lot of people that want it, but maybe it's only like 50, 60, 70. So just from a chances of me getting a job somewhere, it seemed like it was more attainable. So, you know, all that combined, it's kind of how I ended up doing hockey and people still ask like, well, what if another job came open? I'm not against doing another sport, but uh, you know, now it's been 10 years. So it's, uh, it's probably going to be tough for anybody else to want me to do something. <laughs> Everyone only knows me as a hockey guy now. I, it feels the same exact way as I always wanted to do baseball. And then, you know, hockey sort of fell in my lap while I was in college. And now people ask, you know, would you want to do baseball? And it's like, well, hockey's just so second nature baseball. You got to, you know, uh, feed yourself back into, but hockey at this point is just, you know, you see a game, you call a game, you don't even think about it. So, <laughs> um, now for you, I mean, even becoming a broadcaster, everybody, you know, watches sports as a kid, but is there one call maybe that you can remember from, from some broadcaster famous or not that you went, yes, this, this is the moment to me that I want to do this for the rest of my life. No, I don't think it was anything that dramatic. I, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York and, um, you know, there's so many sports teams there, there's so many things to watch and, you know, watching a lot of my teams. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of the, biggest and best cities in the world. So you're going to have some really talented people. And, you know, I obviously watched the Rangers a lot, Sam Rosen and, and, you know, those guys, Kenny Albert obviously does the Rangers on radio. So those guys were people that I grew up listening to. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge Mets fan as a lot of people in Charleston know too. So, you know, the, the Mets radio and TV announcers have always been some of the best in any sport and Howie Rose, who does the Mets on radio also did the Islanders for most of my time growing up. So there was just great voices in New York. And then, you know, of course, watch the national games and, you know, got excited about, you know, what those people were doing, not just the actual sport itself, but those media voices that were, that were associated with it. And, you know, always kind of looked up to those people, wanted to, to be in their shoes and thought it was something that was, that I could do, or at least that I wanted to try to do. Um, as, uh, I, 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 you know, loved sports as a kid and knew that I wasn't going to play professionally That's every broadcaster story, right? Like you love sports, you're never going to play. You got to find a way to, to get your way in somewhere. Broadcasting is pretty exciting. Let, let's give it a shot. Uh, I felt like I, I knew what I was talking about, at least from, you know, understanding sports knowledge. And, uh, you know, like I said, when I got to school, I was like, I'm just going to do everything I can, you know, I'm in Boston and, such a great city with so many opportunities. I'm going to just try to do anything I can to, to break into sports media as a business. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out and, uh, it's, you got to find your niche somewhere. I think everybody struggles with that a little bit. You know, there's only going to be one Jim Nance. There's only going to be one Kevin Harlan. You can't just, you know, not everybody can be that. So I think, yeah, it's great to aspire to, to be up at the, at the top of, of your profession. But, uh, but there's, there's not much turnover, you know, guys like Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Mike Tirico, and, uh, you know, Bob Costas, those guys, there's only a few of those guys. Uh, so it's, it, there's not much turnover. <laughs> they haven't changed much since I got into the business.
Um, what about for you, though, from your perspective? Is there one call that you've made with the Stingrays or one game that you remember with the Stingrays that, you know, maybe you still get chills thinking about? Hmm. There is, and I've mentioned this before, and and uh, it's it's funny how those things happen where, you know, I, the, my first season was incredible with the Stingrays. We had a wild bunch of guys that came together as a group and it very similar to what we had last season where the expectations were high for the most part during the year it was very frustrating they didn't really achieve what we expected but the the group that we had was just never ending fun there was always something going on there was always uh always somebody being a character and off doing their own thing it was just a hysterical group of guys so I love being around that, that group. And you would think, you know, we went to the finals that first year. It was such an amazing group, but actually the, the moment I think back on was, uh, and, and, you know, this, my third season, uh, 18, 19, again, a, a team that was scratching and clawing, uh, set the unfortunate record of longest winless streak in Stingray's history. Um, but I think that's what makes those highs higher when you have a team that has struggled and has had to scratch and claw for everything they get. And every game that year, it was, there were so many injuries. There were so many call-ups. There were so many unfortunate things that were happening. So every high just seemed higher because it just seemed like less of a chance that, that good things were going to happen. And again, similar to last, last year was, more improbable for us to make it but in in uh 1819 it was the last week of the season and we played atlanta three straight which is a classic echl schedule like you have 72 games and you finish the season with the same three the, sa the same team three times and it you know stingrays fans remember this it wasn't that long ago but you know the stingrays were in a situation where they basically had to win all three games Two of them had to be in regulation. Uh, they had to win all three games against Atlanta. And it was Atlanta, the team that we were playing, was the team we were battling for a playoff position. Like, it was either going to be us or Atlanta was going to be the final team in. And so we had to beat them three straight. And the play for game number two, game one, we won. Game number game one was a, a Sunday afternoon game that we had a, a specialty jersey. It was like Paw Patrol the Nickelodeon show and uh, guys were like, what is this even? But, uh, you know, it was an important game and we won that game. I remember the guys played well on Sunday and we had a, a week to prepare for Friday, Saturday, or it was, yeah, it was a, a Friday, Saturday or Saturday. So it was a back-to-back -back the last two games. And the first one was at the Coliseum. The second one was down in Atlanta. So we had to play in North Charleston at seven o'clock. And then we were going to Atlanta for a three o'clock game the next day in the afternoon to finish up the season. I think it was a Saturday, Sunday. We must've finished it Saturday, Sunday. So we, we had a, a while to prepare for that week and it was a tense week. You know, it was where it's a do or die week. And uh, that game at the Coliseum was unbelievable. We had one of our biggest crowds we've ever had that since in the time that I was there, people were just amped up for the chance, you know, it's, it's a do or die game and the fans were, were loud. It was, it was a fan appreciation Saturday night in early April and the game was good. It was, it was a tense game. Uh, I remember there was a 
it's funny now Zach Malatesta, who people loved last year, was hated because he hit Jordan Samuels Thomas in the head. And um, it was it was one of those hits where people were pissed. And Zach Malatesta had been a thorn in the Stingray side for a couple of years. It's funny that two years later he was on the team, but he hit Jordan Samuels Thomas and the Stingrays were kind of hanging on by a thread. It was a, a, a tie game late. And if we, again, if we lost in regulation season was over, that was it. We, we had to win. Uh, we had to win all three and two of them had to be in regulation. So it was a tie game in the final minute. And we had a bad D zone breakdown that left another former Stingray, Nick Bly wide open right in front of the net with like, 15 seconds left in regulation or maybe 30, 20 seconds. It was the last minute of regulation. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy is just sitting here on the doorstep. There's nobody within 10 feet of him. He's absolutely wide open. He's going to score and our season's going to be over. And it's going to be the most depressing thing ever. And Parker Milner stuck his pad out, made one of the best saves he's made just from a crucial. I mean, it was a great save technically, but, just from the the timing of it, how crucial that was. It was just a huge save. It was the, it was, and I think I said it right away. He saved the season right there. And the rebound came, came out on, he left a huge rebound, but it, it came out uh, to our forwards and they sprinted up the ice and we scored. It was Samuels Thomas who had been hit earlier in the game. He finished the play right in front. Grant Bessie, was on the ice. Uh, Stefan Legault, who had just joined us out of college, was the third member of that line. They had immediate chemistry right when they got put together. They were on the ice. Samuels Thomas right in front of the net. He scores. Place goes crazy. Like you can see on the cameras, the cameras in, in the Coliseum, when the Coliseum is packed and there's a lot of people in, in the upper bowl, the problem is the cameras are in the upper bowl too. So when people stand up when there's a goal, we have problems because people are in the way of the camera. And like we scored that goal and we had to cut away from the camera because everybody jumped in front of the camera. We can't, couldn't see what was going on. I remember, um, you know, my coworker, Ryan Altenbach, who was doing social for us, he was behind the net with his phone standing up on the glass and he was filming the play and he got it uh, right in front of the net from a great angle on his phone. It was awesome on social. And then later on when I was watching the highlights, you can actually see like a security guard from the Coliseum, like rip him down off the glass because he was standing up and like going crazy on the glass. Uh, there's just so many memories of that, of that moment. And just from the lowest of the low, like the season's about to be over to we just scored, we won. And all we need is an overtime. Like if the game gets to overtime tomorrow in Atlanta, we're in. And it was just like in a 22nd span, it was so crazy. And, uh, of course, nothing ever comes easy. Atlanta's bus broke down uh, in the Coliseum parking lot. So the game got delayed the next day. So we had to wait even longer to find out. And the entire ECHL had been played. Uh, every game on the schedule, the composite schedule for the season had been played. There was just one that had to, we had to wait for. It was, a, you know, you never see a Sunday night game. Usually in, in the league, Sunday afternoon, everybody plays. But because we had to delay the game because Atlanta's bus broke down. We played on Sunday. We played on Sunday night in Atlanta, and we won, and uh, we made the playoffs. And so that was, uh, you know, we ended up not having the best. We didn't really have any run in the playoffs. We we lost to Orlando pretty quickly in the first round, but 
you know, that, that last couple weeks to, to get in and the, those last moments to, to go from low to high so quickly. Uh, it's always something I'll remember. And then you got your first chance a couple of weeks ago to call your first Ontario rain game. So, uh, you know, to start, congrats on that. I know we, we texted a little bit around that time and, and congratulated you. Um, but did, did you still get the butterflies? Was there still the nerves walking in? I mean, you're in a little bit of a different role, but you know, ho- hockey's hockey at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm lucky that, that I'd done a few AHL games before. Um, so it wasn't the first time that I've done something like that. Uh, and I wasn't nervous. I just, I was, I was, I'm always more nervous about, I think, you know, I've done enough games. I can call a hockey game. You know, if calling a hockey game is something I've done and I can still do it no matter what the situation is, but all the other stuff that comes with these jobs, I mean, I, you know, the, the week leading up to the game was just so busy because as you probably just found out, you just had your first game week. There's all these things that happen that become second nature after you do it. But the guy, the guy before you right now, you're, you're do, again, you're doing the same thing, right? Oh, well, Jared used to always leave stat sheets over in this corner where these people are. It's like, well, how would you, you know, like, it, it just, it's not something I would think to tell you that I did same thing here, you know, the people before me, you know, a lot of them, again, one of them is former Stingray, Joey Zakshevsky. Like there are things that have been done here in Ontario for many years that I didn't realize, you know, that I had to do. So I think I was more nervous of, <laughs> do I have tickets left for everybody at will call is, you know, are the media getting what they need? We had a lot of NHL scouts in the building that the rain and the Kings have really an incredible prospect pool right now. So our team is generating a lot of buzz from scouts and from people that are watching prospects. So I think the opening weekend, we must've had literally all 32 NHL teams. I think we're in the building one day or another. So do all the scouts have what they need to cover the game? Do we have the seats correct Is you know, we're playing San Diego. I want to make sure San Diego's broadcaster has what he needs. He's another former ECHL guy, Andy Zilch, who was in Greenville, but you know, to make sure Andy's got what he needs. San Diego had staff in the building. Their GM was in the building. Do they have what they need? I was running around making sure that everything else was set. And I even actually, for the first night, uh, it's not every night, but I helped get our starters lined up in order to take the ice for the starting lineup. So I was downstairs with our team, making sure the starting line, and, and actually for opening night, as, as you know, people remember, you introduced the entire roster. So I had to make sure that the entire roster was lined up in the correct order and the starters and everybody were, were downstairs correctly and then sprinted up the stairs to get up to the booth. And by the time I got up to the booth, I was just concerned with, is my, am I out of breath? Because I just ran up the stairs. I got to calm down to, to make sure I, you know, have, have a have breath to, to call the game. So it was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't worried about the broadcast. It was just everything else that goes with it to make sure everything else is, is right and uh, we got it done and we got a win so it was a good opening night perfect and then you know in this industry when you get another job you don't really have the time to you know take your time getting out and, and talking to people and then take your time getting in it's sort of a you know a week or a two weeks you just pick up all your stuff and and ship out and you're starting up the next day um so i figured this could be a good platform for you to maybe you know not say your final goodbyes, obviously, because you'll be a part of this organization for life, but, you know, sort of thank the people you need to thank and, and say the things you need to say, not only to the, to the staff, but to the fans as well. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, it's, it's great that you're doing this podcast because I, I have cared about it a lot. So it's, it's awesome to see that, that you're continuing it. And I didn't get a chance to do a, a final episode or anything like that. Like you said, uh, you know, the opportunity came, it was the off season. Uh, there was a lot going on for the stingrays. So I was very focused on trying to wrap, wrap everything up and set the stingrays up for success. Because when I was leaving to come out here, you know, they hadn't figured out my replacement yet. So you weren't yet on board. So that makes it even tougher. You know, when you know who's coming in, you can have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. And we eventually did. But before I was leaving, I was like, I got to leave this place in a state that someone else can come in and, and pick up the pieces and understand what was going on. And, you know, there were signings that were starting to come in uh, that we, that we needed to start getting ready to announce. And it was such a short off season. I mean, I, I'm sure that coach Blair would echo the same thing that felt like we just finished playing. And then I was leaving already. It was, it was, I think, you know, we finished playing that July 4th weekend and, uh, my last day with the Stingrays was like July 21st. It was, it was a very quick transition and then immediately had to start preparing for the next season. There were things we were doing very quickly after the year was over that it would usually be months before I would do those things uh, in other off seasons. So, you know, all that said, it was, I would have loved to, to continue that, you know, last year was so trying for everybody from a podcast perspective, I started out doing about a podcast a week and, you know, unfortunately there, it just fell by the wayside. Uh, you know, this is the first episode of this podcast in, in way too long. Uh, it should have been, and it was a, a high priority for me, but you know, things happen and I got sucked into some other things and, and couldn't do as many episodes as I wanted. So it was a little bit of a shame that, that we didn't have the podcast down the stretch and into the playoffs. Cause it would have been great to continue to document what was going on, but the schedule was so condensed. People were asking me, Hey, when are you going to do another podcast? I'm like, when do I have time? We have games every other day. You know, it was uh, the schedule was condensed. We started in December and we still were trying to begin the next season on time. So I felt like part of the reason why we didn't get to do the podcast down the stretch was just because we had a game every, every night or every other night. And I was preparing for, for the broadcast and wanting to make sure that everything was, was smooth on the broadcast. So I wish I could have done more podcasts there at the, at the end of the run. And um, you know, I think I just, you know, I don't have a ton to say because I always said everything, you know, throughout the, throughout the years, but you know, I just, this was the longest time I'd ever been with, with an organization five seasons and you know obviously the the main goal is always yeah you want to win a, a title but you know just there were just so many great people uh that I got to interact with from a front office perspective from you know hockey operations standpoint and from a fan standpoint as well you know a lot of people listening to this probably had had great conversations with uh during my time there and I just you know, the biggest thing from a fan perspective, if, if you're a fan listening and, you know, I, I just felt great that people were, were listening and, and taking my opinion that it mattered, uh, you know, from somebody who really enjoys hockey, but that just grew up as a fan, just like anybody else to think that people would be hanging on my words and, and listening to some of the things that I was saying. And that, that's just gratifying uh, for people to, to trust me to be the voice of a team. It was uh, it was a great run. I love doing 
you know, all the broadcasts love being able to travel on the road and, and bring people games from whatever city we were in, whether it was Orlando, Greenville, Estero, or even Rapid City, or, you know, we went to Kansas City, we went to some great areas that people, you know, had never heard games from before. We, we had the first ever Stingrays game in, in a bunch of those different cities. And it was cool. You know, we, we had the, the uh, buildings of the ECHL YouTube channel that I, that Joey started that I kept doing. And um, you know, all those different things, it, it meant a lot that people were, were watching interacting and giving me feedback. So it was a, uh, it was a great time to be part of the Stingrays organization. And I uh, just want to thank everybody for, like I said, putting, putting their faith in me and listening and, uh, and having a good time with it because uh, I, I just loved it. You know, all the events in the community and the coaches shows, um, you know, those were, those were really special because you get to interact with people, get to hear their opinions. And, you know, sometimes people have different opinions. I'd try to say, well, wait a minute, have you considered this? Or, you know, obviously a lot of the success is hinged on your affiliation. So, you know, sometimes people get frustrated if guys are getting called up, whether it's by Hershey or another team, you know, right now you guys have, Tarek Henderson, uh, Tarek, uh, Tarek Hammond, that's been called up by Henderson. And, you know, we play Henderson next week. So I'm hoping to get to see him, but also hoping for you guys, maybe he's not there. You know, it's, it's one of those things that that's always frustrating. You know, there's so many great players that have come through that earn their call up, but you, you people, everybody in, in Charleston, the Stingrays, everybody wants to win. They, they're not they They want everyone to get called up, but they want to win. So it's a tough balance to, to achieve that. And, you know, it was, uh, it was great meeting everybody. And like I said, I, I enjoyed my time and, you know, definitely going to always remember it and hope that, uh, that the Stingrays continue to have success and I'll be following from afar. All right, Jared. Well, thanks for your time. I know you got yourself a busy day as well. So, you know, thanks for jumping on and, and talking with everybody and, you know, sharing those, those final goodbyes and thank yous. Yeah. Thanks Cody. Thanks for having me. And actually it's funny that, that we chose today to, record because i'm actually recording uh first episode of my new podcast later today as well uh if you really really want to hear more about the ontario rain it's called the rain check so uh you can you can jump on that on any podcast uh site or platform and and that'll be uh, something we get going same thing where i'm taking over somebody else's podcast and, and making it my own but uh great following out here in, in ontario and I'm looking forward to, to still be able to do podcasts because it's been something that's obviously come about a little bit more over the past couple of years, but it's a, a great platform. So we wish you the best of luck with this, with the Pucktown podcast and hope that, uh, that everything goes well. And, you know, if anybody needs me, I'm always around. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jared. Thanks again to Jared for taking some time out of his busy schedule to sit down and chat with us as he prepares for a pair of games this weekend. In Rays news this week, South Carolina released the rights of Alex Dubow this week. Dubow played in 26 games last season for the Stingrays, posting a record of 16-4-5 to go along with his 907 save percentage and a 284 goals against average. Now remember, the Stingrays are on the road this Saturday, October 30th at Greenville to take on the Swamp Rapids before returning home next Wednesday, November 3rd for College Night at the North Charleston Coliseum. The Stingrays will then have a home-and-home series with the Jacksonville Icemen on Saturday and Sunday, November 6th and 7th, 
with the Rays returning home on Sunday for Undy Sunday, presented by Gildan. Make sure to catch all the Rays games this season with me on Flow Hockey, MixLR, and Select Games through Caps Radio 24-7. For all your recent news, transactions, and upcoming schedules, make sure to follow the Stingrays on social media and visit our website at www.stingrayshockey.com. Thanks again to Jared Schaffern for joining us on this episode. We'll be back with you in two weeks for more Pucktown Podcast. Until then, have a great couple of weeks, and we can't wait to see you back at the North Charleston Coliseum.